No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. Good morning, everybody. Michael Ellickson here with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. I am so excited to have uh, with me our guest today, Mr. Bradley Pounds and Chris Waters. These guys are the authors of uh, the book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team. You guys have probably heard of it. Uh, and so for those of you that don't know, Club Wealth is a coaching and consulting company. We work with agents all over the country as well as broker owners uh, and uh, team leaders on not only building teams, but just in general, growing your real estate business and taking you from zero to your first six figures or seven figures in net income uh, on up to you know numbers that would, would defy what most people would consider logic. So at the end of the day, regardless of where you're at in your business, you're going to get a ton of value out of today's call. So we're super excited to have Bradley Pounds and Chris Waters with us today. And of course, my co-host, Mr. Brian Curtis, who's a freaking rock star uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas, doing a uh, more than literally doing well over 330 transactions a year with his team. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, in just a very short amount of time, Brian went from, you know, just in the in the low 200s in gross commission income to, to well over a million and a half in a market where the average sales price is like $45.75 uh, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I always love to tease Brian about that. But hey, let's call it what it is. If you can run a successful business in a place like Bentonville, Arkansas, you can run a successful real estate business in in, in any other market in the country. That's home to Walmart, isn't it? That's right. Walmart, that's right. Yeah, no, it is. So that being said, you know, I appreciate you guys being on today, Brian. I appreciate you co-hosting this with me. And I want to make sure we put a shout out to our, our uh, sponsor. Uh, as many of you know, those of us that build teams and that do a lot of recruiting, and we do a ton of recruiting, we're hiring people all the time. Uh, we use a company called WiseHire, and uh, WiseHire has done very, very well for us over the years. Uh, and they sponsor the show. We wouldn't let them sponsor the show uh, if we didn't believe in them and if we didn't think that their stuff actually works. Uh, and it does. And so uh, we would encourage all of you to uh, take a look at clubwealth.com forward slash wisehire or is it wisehire.com forward slash clubwealth. I always forget. Maybe Natasha can post that in the Facebook feed. But uh, that being said, we're going to get right into it. Uh, I see Gregory Schraub, Tori Kim, Misty Bruton, uh, Terry LeBlanc. I see all kinds of you that are on the Facebook feed watching us live right now. And so uh, don't forget, you guys can ask questions live. We'll do the very best we can to answer your questions as quickly as we can live. Uh, so please make sure you're typing them into the feed wherever you're watching this. We're following the feed on uh, the Club Wealth Real Estate uh, page. So it's really, it's Michael Hellickson's Club Wealth Real Estate Coaching is the name of the page uh, that I'll be following on Facebook uh, to answer questions. So that being said, Bradley and Chris, welcome to Club Wealth TV. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you guys. This is a real honor to, to sit with you all this morning. Hey, side so. note, we, we love Wisehire too, by oh, the way. Yeah. Big fan. But we freaking love it. It's amazing. Wisehire is awesome, man. They seriously, they do it all, man. In fact, we just posted a couple more ads for admin and for buyers agents that, uh, this weekend, and uh, I think I can't remember how many, 
But I think we've got like 40 people coming uh, out to our group interview today for uh, for our admin position. And uh, that's a pretty big deal, man. And those all came from WiseHire. So. Yep. Yeah, we similar results for us. I mean, it's it's amazing. We I think you you learn in recruiting and different classes out there that you you um just, you know, rely on the disc and the you know what I love about Wisehire is the the values assessment where it talks about like how high somebody's political score is, the theoretical score. You get to kind of understand more what they value in life and then, you know, obviously there's some alignment there in your in your business. So, anyways, Enough pitching, Weissar. It's awesome. <laughs> I freaking love those guys, though. Yeah. Seriously. All right. Well, good stuff. So, talk to me. Tell me about you guys. So, I know you guys wrote a book, and I've read your book. It's a great book. Um, yes. And uh, so, essentially, you guys in three years, in your first three years, uh, and, and it's not that you netted a million dollars each year, but you did in your first three years net a million dollars in uh, in income. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Awesome. So share with us a little bit more about that. First of all, tell us a little bit about the book, then tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So the, the, the book is actually about our journey. And in 2010, um, I started up a traditional brokerage model. I went out and recruited 15 to 20 agents over the course of the summer and 12 months time went by. And out of those, you know, 15 to 20 agents, roughly we had over the course of that year, we sold somewhere between like 70 and 80 houses. And, um, I sold 36 of those. And I think Brad sold like 30 of them. So between the two of us, we sold 95% of the homes out of our entire group of 20 people. And I I went up to Brad and I said, man, this, this is incredibly frustrating. Um, we have so many mediocre people and they're sucking the life out of us, calling us with questions all the time. They're not even selling anything. And I said, Brad, I think we should, you know, I'm, I think we should just burn this all down. And I would love for you to step into a role to build up the buy side of the business. And I'm going to shift and focus hundred percent on the listing side and build up listing inventory. And so, um, you know, we, we basically, you know, Tony Robbins saying, right. Like just burn the boats and, um, and go for it. And, you know, the, the following year, um, we closed just under a hundred deals. Um, and that was with a, a team of, I think we had three or four buyer's agents plus Brad and myself. Um, so we cut the team, you know, cut the team by like 80% and sold even more homes, um, more profitable. Um, and, and then, you know, the following year that really helped set us up for success. So what the, the book is really our journey of how we built the team model. And it started with failing massively building the traditional brokerage. Um, we, you know, I was originally inspired by Gary Keller's book, the million dollar real estate agent. And that, that book was published, I believe around 1998 or 99 and, Somewhere around 2006, I think, is where the industry really started changing from a lead generation perspective with the internet. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have changed since since Gary wrote that book. Um, and so, as we were going through and you know, kind of following that that process, Gary talked about in the book, we were starting to find a lot of holes in the process from a lead generation perspective, from a uh, just comp structuring perspective with people. Um, you know, just another a big who I don't think a lot of people are aware of in the team model is how important it is to have a full-time recruiter. So when you look at the seven, the seven levels um, in, in Gary Keller's book, there's no mention of a full-time recruiter. And, you know, I think if you're going to build a mega team, that's going to do big production, you, you need a full-time 
uh, recruiter, especially when you're in that beginning stages of building your business. Um, because you're, 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 once you switch from, from being an agent to being a team leader, you're in the human behavior and the human recruiting business. And, it, you know, you're going to spend a long time trying to find the who to build, to build your team. And so you, uh, Brad's always got this saying, you're going to, you're always going to, um, you're going to, Brad, you should just let everybody know. <laughs> You should let everybody know you're from East Texas and you have these, these things. Yeah, I think the one that you're getting at is like, you got to kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, the book is about our journey of us, you know, kind of uh, building the team model. Um, took us three years to get to then a million bucks. And then um, actually in, in 2015, so two years later, that was our first year to actually net a million dollars in a single year. Um, so, you know, the, the book, oh, so how long had you been in at that point? I uh, started the team up in the summer of 2010. So to get to uh, netting a million in a single year took um, four and a half years. Uh-huh. Very good. That's very, that's impressive. It took me a lot longer than that to do it. But, you know, I got to eat. And by the way, let me, let me back up a couple of things about your story so far that I'm really liking are one you know, I know you guys did a lot. You know, I know you, you've you've been in coaching before. You've you've had coaches. You've networked and masterminded with other top agents, and that really helps to shorten that learning curve, right? Sure. And huge. I mean, honestly, I would say like the one hinge to our fast growth was coaching. I mean, if if we had not have been in coaching, we would not have have succeeded as fast. Um, so I'm, a, I am a, a huge, huge proponent of coaching. Um, so I, I mean, uh, if you're not in coaching, it's a huge mistake. Um, you know, I, I, um, I think, you know, a coach not only keeps you accountable, it keeps you humble because, you know, if anybody, if anybody follows Tony Robbins, they always, they always talk about how you always need to be leveling up. And so if you're working with a coach, that's a step above you, he's going to, you know, be sure to remind you, you're not doing anything that great yet. And so um, I can't I can't talk enough about how how important it is to have a coach. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because back when when I started back when Luigi and I were doing contract, I'm, I'm, th- I'm mentioning it to Luigi because uh, we got coach Luigi and a bunch of our other coaches up here to be on uh, watching us live right now. Uh, but uh, back when coach Luigi and I were writing contracts on stone tablets, uh, <laughs> You know, which is a long time ago. The only coaching that existed out there was literally, you know, hey, you know, go out and make more phone calls. That was really it, right? It was go pound the phones and you can put more hours in and, you know, get better at making calls. That's the solution. Just get better at it and do more of it. And uh, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, nowadays we understand that there's all this other stuff that has to happen. And, and you guys did a great job identifying in the book, not only that there's all this stuff that needs to happen, but that there's also a particular order that makes it a lot easier if you'll start in, you know, and, and instead of, Hey, I'm going to go out and like a perfect example, instead of, Hey, I'm going to go out and hire right now and hire a full-time recruiter. You know, most people probably aren't ready for that yet. That being said, at a certain point in your business, you're going to have to have that. And you're either going to be the full-time recruiter or you're going to hire a full-time recruiter. It's kind of like in the beginning of your business, right? You've either got a full-time assistant or you are a full-time assistant, uh, you know, but you've got to do things in the right order. Otherwise it's essentially putting the cart before the horse. You know, I, I know the topic of the call today is about reactive versus proactive lead generation. And when you're in the beginning stages of building your business, whether you're doing, you know, 25 to 50 deals, um, you know, 
you're not going to build a consistent pipeline. If you just, I consider reactive lead gen when you basically just throw out a bunch of ads, like random ads, like on like the free type of leads, right? Like the stuff you're putting on Craigslist and, um, you know, just random stuff you'll, you'll push out there to the market and you're going to just wait and see what comes to you. That's what I consider reactive legion. So, you know, if you're, if you're, again, you're like 25 to 50 transactions a year, um, and you're not being proactive and by proactive, I mean, going after for sale by owners, expireds, withdrawns, um, and, and working those lead sources, it's, you're gonna have a really difficult time building a pipeline of predictable and consistent, uh, commission income. And there is a certain point at your business, which I think this is the light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people is you won't have to do this forever. You won't have to be the inside salesperson booking appointments and going on listings forever. Eventually you get to a point when the business is big enough and you can rely on the reactive type marketing. Like for example, maybe it's, you know, you're, you're hitting the newspaper doing like massive direct mail, radio, TV, billboards, you know, some kind of mass media bringing in, bringing in legion. I, I consider those things like kind of reactive, but to, to get to that stage, you got to build up your revenue pipeline. You got to have enough core capital in the bank to be able to afford to do those things. You got to have enough people in place. And, and the other thing is, is like you, you, you want people to, to grind their teeth on the harder type of leads to, to, improve, to hone in their sales skills. So that way, when they do go on these easy appointments from some of your, your more reactive type activities of lead generation, you know, they're going to convert those very expensive um, leads. So it's a great, um, you know, when you think about the career trajectory, when you start bringing in people on your team, it's it's a great way to help create a very clear trajectory for people from a professional development perspective is get them to, to grind their teeth on the hard stuff and then slowly work them up to the easier stuff um, because, you know, they'll have an appreciation for the for those easier leads. One of the things that we talk about in the book, Michael, is that we um, we like to point out kind of like what our big mistakes were, right? Because if there's any juice, it's in me telling you how I screwed it up, right? We even have these little sections, how I how to screw this up. And it's all firsthand knowledge. And we had to edit it way down, trust me, because we made way more mistakes than that. One of the, the things that we wish that we would have built in from the very beginning is kind of this like graduating ladder where agents don't get Zillow leads, right? Even though they're easy and, and, and easy to buy and put on their plate tomorrow. If you put that as the if you establish it as the baseline for a new addition to your team, then that you know lead that should con- uh, that very expensive lead that should convert at like five or six percent is now their baseline expectations, right? So there's no walking that back and getting them to appreciate um, you know lead gen on their own. AdWords, Facebook, which is going to convert it more like one percent, right? Um, and their skill sales skills never have to get that great. Because as long as you're putting enough Zillow leads on their plate, they'll always do two a month, the, the low-hanging fruit. And that's what Chris is getting at. Like, if, if we had a time machine, that is kind of my one thing that I would go back and change. Now, I got I to get Brian's feedback on this. And Brian, you're always really quiet in the beginning of these calls. But that's because Brian's a thinker. He's a smart, arguably one of the smartest people in the real estate industry. But Brian, you have this conversation with me all the time. You're always telling me, you know, I don't need more leads. I need better leads. And you're also talking about the difference between, you know, like a pay-per-click lead and a Facebook lead and some of these other lead sources, whether it's portal leads or whatever. Um, but I, I, I know what you're going to say, but I want to hear your thoughts on the whole don't start them off with, you know, the, 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 the Glen Gary leads, if you will. 
<laughs> like Gary Glenn Ross for us this morning. Okay, um, yeah, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. I think it's important, and I've made the same mistake. It's like, okay, you're on my team. You should convert. So back once upon a time, I started out like you guys did. I had my own brokerage, and I hired a couple of guys, and I was out closing deals, and I got too busy. And I said, hey, here's a lead. And then I, I called that agent the other, you know, a couple of days later and say, how'd that lead go? Oh, we showed them the house. They didn't buy it. And then my thought was, and because that's a lot of what happens. And, and, you know, so they didn't buy that house. Didn't you go show them 15 more and they wrote a contract, right? No, we, we just didn't do it. So, you know, you spend, I think I'm looking at Zillow leads in my market, which is kind of crazy at like 180 bucks a piece, which when your average sales price is 191, it's a little rough. So you got to make sure that you're 5% almost isn't good enough. You need it at six or 7% hopefully, but yeah, you know, why give the guy who doesn't even know the script $180 lead when you've got a guy who's, who will convert it like that will be out on top of it and, and working that. So we all, we rank our leads. In other words, the number one lead that we have in our market from a buyer's side, in my opinion, is a sign call. So if you have an incoming sign call, you've got to earn the right to be on my sign call rotation. You have to earn the right to be actually on incoming Zillow phone calls. I don't know how many of those you guys get, but we get some of those. You have to earn the right to be on those. Um, that's important to me. And, you know, it's so crazy, though. People, the leads aren't good enough. I'm like, you've got so many leads. You can go back. We have a pool that you can go or a pond, whatever you guys want to call it. There's so many opportunities there. And sometimes people, it's too easy. You know, we remember the days of grinding out there, knocking on doors and calling Fizbo's expireds, doing all that stuff. And you got an agent who comes on your team brand new and it's like, oh, this is easy. I call a couple of Zillow leads, I close a couple of houses and it's easy. So, yeah, I think that's an important mistake that we're all either have made or probably are still making quite, quite a bit out there. Yeah. And frankly, you can take an agent who would have been good if you would have brought him or her through uh, up that ladder. Right. Um, and you can ruin them forever because you have given them just the easy lay down stuff in the beginning and there's no kind of walking that back in their mind. So whose fault is it really? Right. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because when you watch people leave a team, like, you know, you get guys closing 50 deals a year on your team and they leave and then they close 10 deals a year. Like mm -hmm. you had the same opportunity. You had the same training. Where did we miss? Well, I gave you two good leads apparently. And, yeah. and then you replicate that. So it's always an interesting thing when people leave, you know, I, I, I wish them well, because ultimately at the end of the day, if you don't want to be on my team, move forward. But uh, I haven't seen a ton of success for people who have left and uh, gone out on their own. So I'm not sure exactly how that's a reflection on me, if that's good or bad, but that's what I've seen. And, and, and I think that this kind of like dovetails into the lesson that Chris brought up earlier, which is you need the recruiter way earlier than you think you do. Because what solves all of this is the who, and it's the choice. And it, it, uh, if you're bringing on a class of you know six or seven agents every month, then over the course of the year, you're going to find those like self-motivated, super coachable. Because we know that that's the key ingredient. It's not like you know that they have to be like super slick or very intelligent. Even it's about being coachable. And what that requires is to find those guys is that you've got to hire, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs to find to find your prince, as they say. And the um, analogy holds true there because the recruiter is going to, if you bump them up a little earlier in your hire, hiring process, just blow the doors off of everything. Especially if you're recruiting for 
let's say a buyer agent team. What we use our buyer agent team for in, in our model is kind of the will to draw from when it comes to listing agents, um, team leaders. We've found great coordinators in there. In fact, my director of sales and my director of operations both started out as newbie buyer agents. And if we wouldn't have taken a chance on them and um, you know put them into our program, we would have missed out on that talent. So I got a question for you guys. So you're realistically, you're hiring five to 10 people a month. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh Okay. Yes. After 90 days, how many are left after 180 days? How many are left? I mean, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I think here's what it kind of looks like is uh, we have this pretty intensive 30 day ramp up program. They're in the office all day, eight to five, eight to 12. They are, um, it's more like educational based. You know, we're going through contracts, core values of the business, you know, get them excited about the opportunity to be on the team, all that kind of basic stuff. Um, and then, uh, in the afternoons, the first two weeks, we actually go through role playing, scripting, objection handling, get them on, And then we actually get them on the phones on week two. They'll work our big pond of, of leads. And, um, uh, what we end up finding is one out of four in the first week will ring the bell kind of like in, uh, Navy SEALs. Tap out. You know. yep. Tap out. Be like, I, I didn't know this, what real estate was all about. You know, I didn't realize I was going to have to be on the phone all day to build, build business. So we have one person tap out. We'll always have a second person. Um, they'll start rearing their head, their lack of commitment, because they'll have all these excuses as to why they can't make it in. So they'll miss, you know, two or three days throughout the course of the, of the month. And so that's an automatic deal for us where if they miss, um, if they miss a single day in that first month, they have to start all over and go back to the beginning. Um, or, or they can, you know, go somewhere else. Um, so usually we're left at the end of 30 days with two out of four. And then by the end of day 90, we usually have one left. Um, so it's about a, a 25% success rate, but the people that stay on the bus more than 90 days, they are lifers. You know, they're, they're there for a long time. Um, they're either going to go into a leadership position or um, they're going to, they'll put themselves in a, in a position where they've crushed on the buy side. Then they move on to be a listing agent. Um, and you know, our, our listing agents are selling between 80 and 120 homes each. So they're, you know, it's like Brad was saying, we pull from that pond of buyer agents. We find the proven successful ones, put them in the listing agent roles. Um, and that's kind of the, the career trajectory we try to build for people to help them, um, do the right things in the right order to find success very quickly. And I think like the lessons that come out of, of, you know, teaching so many agents over the years, um, some of the top ones are you've got to cut early. If you have a a natural tendency to just believe in people and want to even fix people, you've got to know that about yourself going into this. And what you have to do is you've got to set some standards and hold yourself to some objective standards when it comes to measuring their progress. What I don't think, uh, what, what, what was a bad idea for us was to, when we initially set up the 30 day program, just say, okay, everybody's going to go through the 30 days. Well, what, what we learned was better was, Hey, every Friday, why don't you measure what was done that week? And did you see an improvement when you set the goal on Monday and you gave them everything that they needed to improve? And then you measured that on Friday, are they continuing to evolve? And if the answer is no, then that's a really good predictor of how they're going Mm -hmm. to be over time. And it's much better from um, a, a standpoint of 
focusing your energies and giving your leads to the person who's going to convert them and be coachable um, because you can get sort of the, the, the extras out of there earlier and you can avoid a lot of lead burn. That's the hidden cost of bringing on a lot of agents, right? Is that um, you never know what the opportunity cost is from having people on the phone representing your organization who, who cannot or will not convert. Brad brings up a, a great point is I, I think he and I were, I don't know. I don't know if we thought we were shrinks in the beginning or something. Oh, totally. Oprah Winfrey right here, right yeah. here. We I'll fix you. Step right up. You can help people. And the one thing I think we, we learned was you cannot, you cannot put desire in somebody. You cannot make them have an internal desire to want to succeed. Either they have it or they don't. And so you can only, you can only judge people based off their actions. And if they're not showing up, if they're not listening, if they're not improving, uh, they're not going to be a good fit for the team. And so, yeah, anyways, I, I think that's a, like Brad was saying, it's a huge indicator looking for, for continuous improvement and coachability. Um, it's funny. I, 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 so I started calling expireds and withdrawn. This is just to share with you what a big believer in coaching I am. And, and 20, um, at the beginning of 2011, I had spent six months calling expired doing drones and I was doing horrible. Like I was lucky to get one, maybe two listings a month. And I was prospecting three hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. And I got, I got so frustrated that I called, I called up, um, you know, this coaching company. I wish you guys had been around at that point. Um, I would have, would have reached out to you. Um, but I called up a coach that kind of helps you with expired and withdrawals. And we did some role playing. He's like, Chris, you, you sound like a robot. You sound like a monotone robot. Yep. And my, my wife, fortunately, my wife actually, like I had it on, she heard me, I I was working out of my house and she heard him say that. And she's like, God, I tell you that every single day, you sound like a robot. (laughs) And so anyways, it was kind of cool because she would come in in the mornings at 750 and hear me start making my calls. And she'd tell me, get up, stand up, jump around. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a natural like introvert. So I'm not, I'm not actually going to be super excitable and voice cadence and voice inflection. Like I got to try really hard to, to, to make that come out. So anyways, with literally within 30 days of getting my ass handed to me, someone telling me I was horrible, my my tone of voice and uh, being, I guess being more self-aware, you know, in that following month, I started booking two to three appointments per week from expires. Which, you know, the previous six months, I was, I was literally lucky to get one listing a month, which was, you know, typically about three appointments per month. So I'd call for four weeks, I get maybe three appointments, and I get one listing. So oh, for six I months. I in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, seriously. I think I'd have given up. <laughs> I, I got my ass handed to me. And I was honestly like, I think for a lot of people, you've got to be at a really humble place in your life to be able to accept coaching. Or, or you just need to be self-aware enough that, like, if I'm going to go to the next level, I need to find somebody that's already been there. And so I just – I was, like, so beat down because I was like, damn, I, I'm, I'm, I suck, you know? And and literally in, in a month of coaching, like, game over. But I was in a very humble place, and I just – whatever they told me, I just – I didn't question it. I just did it, and, and it worked. 
Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. First of all, when it comes to coaching, you got to be coachable, right? But that that doesn't just go for agents that sign up for a coach like Club Wealth or something like that. That also goes for agents on your team. I heard you mention this earlier that look, if I'm going to bring somebody on my team, they got to be coachable. I got to be able to teach them how to make money, uh, and that's frankly one of the big advantages that you get as a member of a team, right? You start off, you know, to your point, if you're going to go be the Lone Ranger solo agent, or we say solo agent, right? <laughs> then all of a sudden, what do you got? What are you, you going to do, right? You're going to pound the phones over and over and over again, and you get results like what you're talking about, right? Where you're literally, you know, calling for weeks at a time just to get those three appointments to hopefully get that one listing. I mean, that's a miserable existence. That does not sound like a good life to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, okay, how do I go now from chasing business to attracting business? And that's really the secret, right? It's first of all, leveraging myself with the team, whether I'm a team member or a team leader, doesn't matter. Everybody gets to leverage the power of the team. And now how do I make that transition from chasing to attracting? So talk to us more about that. And again, we're talking about in in the terms that you use, proactive versus reactive lead generation. Define that for us and talk to us about some of the differences between proactive and reactive lead generation. And how do we, you know, how do we, raise our game to that next level. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the most important thing you can do is from a very proactive approach, if you've got a team is schedule call nights, very simple, very basic schedule call nights and make, make it a very fun, high energy type in the environment. Uh, you know, and another kind of big aha for us was, you know, buyer agents are 1099 and they don't have to come in. And so you have to create a a very conducive environment that makes them want to come in. So if, if, you know, depending on where you are in the growth of your team, it is your job as a team leader to build a high energy, super conducive environment where people literally want to be in the office calling, prospecting, you know, maybe you've got a huge bell or one of those big bump, you know, whatever those huge, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think as, as a leader, whatever it is like you do authentically, you know, that gets you in that kind of place, you're going to attract like-minded people. And so just whatever that may be, you know, we used to do chair races down the office. Um, at, our, at like our, uh, every 30 minutes, we do a chair race down the office. We also have these, these tiny little skateboards. These skateboards are about two feet long. I'm, I'm about six, one, six, two. And so we'll get on these, like these tiny ass skateboards and bust our ass and like race down, um, the hallway. And so just doing these, like kind of really these little activities as like pattern interrupters to get you out of your mindset of like, ah, oh, this sucks. And I'm like, I'm going to hear no 99 times before I close one deal. You know, so like just doing little activities that kind of, you know, are pattern interrupters and, and creates a conducive environment to want to have people come in the office. So um, that's, I think as a team leader, that's the most powerful thing you can do is, is, is time blocking with your entire team um, call nights. And then another, um, another great thing you can do is make eight to 11 for your entire team. This, you know, very sacred, um, block of time, everybody prioritizes to uh, prospect. And, um, you know, one little, one other little nugget I'll, I'll, I'll share with everybody is um, we, we started sending out a, um, a text and an email via Google Forms asking everybody at the end of the day, how many appointments did they set? Um, you know, Brad and I found ourselves getting focused on, you know, how many deals closed, 
you know, and like the objections and like all this crap. And like, we lost, we, we lost sight of the one thing that drives everything else. Um, and so just focusing on, on, on appointments as kind of like first base, you get to, you know, understand like how number one, are they putting forth the activities to actually, um, set appointments? Cause that's number one. That's the, actually, that's probably the, that's 80% of the reason people fail. They don't actually apply effort to actually prospecting. So, um, you know, first base is, um, actually setting forth the time block to get people to be on the phones, whether that's using like Mojo dialer or whatever. Um, that's what we, you know, we highly recommend using as a dialer, get people really comfortable using a dialer. Um, if you've got a really big team and nobody's using a dialer, it's, it's really intimidating for a lot of people to like get on a dialer for whatever, you know, cause it's like, you know, calling three numbers at a time or whatever. Um, and, and so one way you can get people comfortable with it is go and find your, your influencer in the group, the guy that's like crushing it and doing an amazing job and like spend a couple hours with him on a dialer and show him how much more efficient he can do. And then put him like in the middle of the, of the, of the sales floor and like everybody see him go and ring in that freaking gong, like every five minutes setting appointments. So Chris, I want to, I want to thank you. And the reason I want to thank you is I've had so many, we, we do this all the time, Michael. And we know we, I'm on mastermind groups. Just, I'm sure you're in a million different mastermind groups across the country and all that kind of different stuff. Here's what I hear over and over and over again is how to punish my agent when they don't succeed. I hear that again and again and again. Well, my agent didn't do this. I took all their leads away. My agent do this. They couldn't get leads for a month. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not saying that that at some point in time that may not need to happen, but it feels like everybody has the, wants the job of team manager. I love you. I heard you say it three times. I'm the team leader. I'm the team leader. I'm the team leader. And the stuff that you're talking about is leadership. If no one takes anything else away from this call, then stop being a friggin' manager telling people what they're doing wrong and focusing on that and start doing some stuff that gets them from here to here. And I love that. I think that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm you know, I've known you for 20 minutes now, so it's a little presumptuous of me, but I feel like that's one of the reasons that you guys are succeeding because it's not something you're making up and uh, absolutely love that. So that's awesome. I wish, I, you know, I think this is one of the things we screwed up and we talked about in the book yeah. is right to manage people. We thought we were shrinks. We thought we could help people with their, their struggles. And I, I heard this from somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, you can't manage people. You can only manage expectations. And so when you, when you build a position agreement, for your salespeople, you outline what the expectations are and what the standards are. And then, and then your job is to, is to help, you know, help them make sure that they're hyper-focused on their daily activities that are going to drive the results. And I think another, another big aha for us um, recently has been, you know, there's, there's these different styles of, of leadership, um, which by the way, if you're in a team lead role, this is like a whole new, thing you need to start learning is how to be a team leader. Mm -hmm. um, I think Brad and I were like totally lost um, in the beginning there. So there's, there's like something called a, a standards style leader, a standard style leader. And this person is like a, a cop. They're very like transactional based. They're like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you set two appointments? Why didn't you close that deal? You know? And so it's like, you're, you're, um, you're always asking the question why you're always coming from a place of judgment. Um, and you know, you're, you're kind of like, you know, in a way you're kind of like condemning people based off their activities versus, you know, trying to help them like be very thought provoking and go through a self discovery process of trying to understand, like, for example, what got in the way in your life of being able to 
get these commitments per day of setting two appointments. What got in the way? Um, and then if, if you have a team, if, if you as a team leader understand each person on your team's personal goals, like non-money related stuff, and you always relate those, those daily commitments back to the reason they're doing that is not because you, the team leader, want them to close two deals, but because you, the team leader, want them to be able to put their kids in private school, right? So like every time you're doing your weekly like accountability meetings and you're like, hey, you know, did your priorities change? Are you not interested in getting your kid in private school? Because, you know, there ain't no way you're going to get him in private school if you're closing one deal a month and bringing in three grand, like let alone, you know, be able to pay for a house and everything else. So always bring everything back to what their personal goals are. And so, you know, this kind of goes back to the interview process. If you can, if you can find people that their, their personal goals are in alignment with the business, that's the sweet spot. Um, and, and that way, when you, as a, as a team leader are, are doing your accountability meetings, it's always about them. It's not about the business. You're not talking about getting the two goal to the to two deals, minimum, you know, 40 contacts and all these different KPIs. It's always goes back to them and what are their commitments and, and holding them accountable to what their commitment, their personal commitments are. You know, I, one of the things I love that you just said is you're asking the question, what got in the way? Right. And I've always looked at my one of my roles or my primary role uh, as a team leader is removing roadblocks. Right. It's removing roadblocks for people to be able to succeed. So whatever they've got in their way, maybe it's a lack of leads. They need more leads. Cool. Then let's provide them with enough leads. So that's no longer a roadblock. Maybe it's, hey, I need administrative support. Great. Let's get you more and better administrative support, whatever the roadblock is. And sometimes it's mental. Right. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, you've got to get out of your own head and understand that this is possible. But again, to your point and Brian's point, it's about leadership and not management. And we have that conversation all the time. And by the way, shout out to Sam Karamian. I see he's on. Uh, we got Michelle Bergquist, Rob Tillo, Mary Shannon Moore. We got a lot of big thought leaders uh, that are watching right now. And a lot of these guys are, ta- are, are having the same conversation with their teams. Um, now, we do have a couple of questions I want to make sure we, we uh, add in here. Uh, and Chris Edwards uh, asked a question. He says, uh, are you doing anything different to create a following? Are you doing a vlog, a blog, a podcast? If so, how often are you creating content? Uh, you know, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And so like crushing it and crush it, jab, jab, right hook, I've read them all. And I'm, you know, super, I'm very, I'm super inspired by the guy. Um, you know, I think, I think you can, there, there's a way to build a following. I think it's super valuable. I don't think it's, I don't, it's a very tough thing to monetize early on. And if you're early in your career and you're out there, you know, going to the community, taking pictures in front of stuff, selfies, and, um, you know, Gary V talks about collaborating with other influencers and stuff like that's all super like value add stuff. And it's amazing, but there's some other dominoes you got to knock down before you get there, like honing in sales skills, you know, having a great value proposition, you know, being a a market expert, you know, there's all these little dominoes you got to knock down before before you do that so um you know i would recommend anybody go after the low-hanging fruit where like literally you can just pick up the phone and call somebody like expired the drones for sale owners things like that um but i do think that there's a certain point when you get um to be a team leader and you've got a really big team 
and you need to create massive numbers of leads. And your goal is to become like a celebrity in your marketplace. And if you're at that point, which honestly, my opinion is probably somewhere between like 300 and 500 deals. Like when you're at that point, that's when you should start focusing on building a big, a big following and really building a brand in your marketplace. But if you're not at 300 deals, honestly, that shit is just a freaking distraction. That's all it is. Yeah. Like, Thank you. Thank I'm, you. Thank you. Been, we've been I'm sold. Brian and I are both like, yeah, that is exactly the spot yeah. on. I'm so I'm, tired of people saying, oh, I'm going to go create a brand. Yeah. It's like, dude, you sold 20 houses last year. Brand what? Brand failure? I mean, I, I know that sounds terrible, but go ahead, Brian. Well, you know, and so many people are worried, well, what about my website? And what about this? And what about that? And those, and, and again, you know, do I get leads from my website? Absolutely. But do I, if I, if I shut my website down today, with the exception of my lead generation website, my business continues just fine. That's not where business comes from, you know, and, and here's still three to 500 deals. I, I appreciate that. But in what market? You know, if you're in uh, Seattle, Washington, how many, do, you know, if you're in LA, does 300 deals even hit the radar? So, you know, it, it's really an interesting thing. So many people are worried about their brand and all this stuff. I, I don't think it matters. You know, I think 10 years ago, people said, oh, Remax, those are the balloons or, oh, Keller White. I, I can tell you right now, 95% of the time, people don't pick anything it has to do with brand. They want to, they have a relationship. We are so relationship poor in 2018. We're so techie where that we forgot to be have relationships that when we build relationships, no one cares about the rest of that stuff. So, you know, I, anybody can go and you got anybody listening to this, you guys can go look at my active rain blog profile. And so active rain.com started, I think like 2007, 2008 out of Seattle. And so I had the idea of like wanting to build, you know, massive content, attraction-based marketing. Literally, go go look at my Active Rain profile. It exists right now. And go look at every blog article between 2007 and 2010. So like between, so I graduated, I graduated college in 2006. And between 2007 and 2010, all I did was like, I, I, had, a, I had a full-time thing outside of real estate before I got into real estate. But um, I had, all I did was write blog articles every single night, I mean, I wrote a redonkulous number of blog articles. I'm a horrible writer, but I did it every day for three years. And I sold nine houses between 2007 yeah. and 2010. And every single night, every fucking night, I was writing an article on Active Rain. Like, literally, go to my Active Rain profile and look at all the articles I wrote between 2007 and 2010. So I actually, I had, um, I went to uh, Active Rain, used to put on this conference called Rain Camp. And this guy named Ben Kinney was speaking. And I had a, I had, you know, I was at night time again, I'm like, I'm like studying SEO and like doing all this shit. And I'm, you know, like writing blog articles and backlinks and like all this shit. And I'm like, maybe selling one house a year. And Ben, I sent a message to Ben Kinney on Facebook. Cause I heard him speak at rain camp and I'm like, dude, this, this company has a PR score of seven. How, the, how do I get to a PR score of seven? It's like, dude, the only people that care about PR scores are the people that aren't selling any houses. And like, I was like, man, fuck you. You are an asshole. I was, I was fucking pissed. I was like, this, this fucker's calling me out, you know? So sorry. I'm sorry for my, my language. But, um, <laughs> Family friendly. 
But a lot of us got sucked into that, right? Because it was the thing that we could do that we could control without going out there and kind of having that, you know, butterflies in your stomach and asking for referrals and meeting people and kind of like grinding it out with old school shoe leather, right? And so I think that there's this whole generation of us who came up thinking that that was the way that that we got SEO, like that was this like magic thing that was going to solve everything. And a lot of us almost went broke um, doing so. And I think it's, uh, it's a trap in a word. Until you're, you know, already a leader in your market and you have um, capacity built out so that you can do some of these dream board items that you've always wanted to work on. So, so in two, at the beginning of 2000, well, well, let me back up about Ben Kinney. So I sent Ben, I sent Ben a, um, I actually ran into him at an Inman conference two years ago. And I told Ben, I was like, dude, that was like a punch in the gut when you told me that. And I was at the moment, I was super pissed, but honestly, like you telling that, telling me that changed my life because like, I would not have had any upward trajectory if I hadn't had anybody come around and give me like the honest truth that I was wasting my time trying to learn SEO and be a webmaster and build blog articles and all this crap. And so it's, it's super, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blow to the ego when somebody tells you the last three years, every night you've run articles and done all this stuff that it was a complete waste of time. But I mean, um, I told Ben, I was like, dude, I am, I am so appreciative of, of you giving me that honest feedback because after I was so freaking motivated after Ben told me that I literally like went head first in real estate, quit what I was, was what I was doing. Actually, I was forced out of what I was doing because the market crashed. But um, I, I just went head first in expireds with drawns, um, you know, gener- generating tons of leads and then just started, you know, organically building the team and, and it grew super fast. And it came from just being in a really humble place and, and listening to somebody else that was where I wanted to be. So that's what, that's what coaching is all about. So real quick, I got I to gotta throw this out there. And, and in fairness to Chris, I see a bunch of people in the comments. They're like, club of cuss jar, blah, blah. I dropped the ball and forgot to mention to Chris that everything we do is family friendly. We don't cuss and drop F-bombs and all that stuff. So we're not – normally, Chris, when we have speakers on stage at our events and stuff, the, they get fined if they swear. Uh, and it's like 100 bucks a pop. So right now you owe us about a million and a half. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that to you. But that being said, when Bradley comes out, Bradley's going to be speaking at Listing Agent Boot Camp on May 8th, 9th, and yep. 10th there uh, in Denver. So you guys, make sure you come out. And yeah, we'll grab a big cut star. We'll have it on stage. I'm just kidding. We won't Yeah, that. for sure. And bring your uh, questions. Bring your questions. <laughs> well, and speaking yeah. of questions, we've yeah. got... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Hey, hey, I got to defend myself for just a minute. Like, you can ask, you can ask Brad. Like, I, I'm ne- I never curse, but when I do, it's about something that was like a massive blow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just, is like, I mean, one of those things that's like deep inside you that like creates so much anger you know it's like like an explosion you know i love it you're like you're like you're like that uh the most interesting guy in real estate you know i don't uh i don't curse often but when i do it's about ben kinney (laughs) (laughs) hey mad respect to ben he's a good dude uh dude i always tell ben the very best thing and i tagged him in the post here i always tell ben i'm like the best thing that ever happened to you is when i got out of real estate so you could be number one in washington (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you can be watching this. What's that, Brian? 
No ego on this call. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to tease Ben. I like to jab him with that. All right, so that being said, we do have a couple of questions I want to make sure we get to before we uh, wrap up. We're running a little bit out of time. So by the way, those of you if, that are watching, if you have not already signed up for Listing Agent Bootcamp, you need to get signed up. Prices just went up and they're getting ready to go up again because we're running out of space. We literally only have about 15 spots available. It might be, it might be 27. I can't remember the exact number, but it's in that range. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, go to clubwealth.com forward slash L-A-B-C and get signed up for Listing Agent Bootcamp so you can come hear Bradley speak uh, among a ton of other wicked high producers and great speakers and coaches. Uh, Garrett Pancree is uh, one of our coaches. He's uh, commenting on the, on the feed. He's going to be a speaker there. Brian and I will both also be speaking. Uh, that being said, Chris Edwards asks a great question. He says, what ways are you guys generating leads passively? Are you doing Facebook, listings to leads, Boomtown, FirePoint, commissions? In, you know, what, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on, on the digital front, we've got leads being generated through Google AdWords, Facebook, um, Zillow, Realtor.com. Uh, there's a couple of different like third, you know, these um, third-party portals, you know, for uh, our listings in Texas that are Texas-specific, lands of lands of Texas, lands of America, things like that. Um, so those are kind of what, that's kind of what we're doing on the digital side. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, the blow to the gut about SEO and wasting three years of my life and getting punched in the face. Um, so like I'm at this stage, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of SEO because Google changes the algorithm so often. And so you, you can invest all this money and spend all this time in SEO mm-hmm. and then you can just get crushed in the, in the results. So if you want to, again, predictable, consistent pipeline of leads and revenue, um, best way to do it is through Google AdWords. And so, you know, there's a pecking order of which lead sources are going to convert at certain rates. Um, I think the an important thing for people to understand is that the leads coming through um, Zillow and Realtor.com, the reason those leads are such high quality is it's the consumer's intent when they're on the website to purposely reach out to you. They have to voluntarily submit their information. A lot of the websites like that are built on Boomtown, Commissions Inc., Firepoint, most people have forced registration for people to submit their information. So the, 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 the consumer's intent is not nearly as high as the consumer's intent is on Zillow when they click a button saying they want to reach out to you. So um, that's why there's a pecking order in terms of the conversion rates. Um, so that's kind of the stuff we're doing on the, on the digital front um, on, on the um, uh, kind of like old school marketing, if you will. Um, something that's crazy effective for us is writing native content with a journalist in a, in a newspaper. Um, people probably think that's crazy, but, uh, if you're, if you're a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk and he always talks about, you want to make sure your, your, um, your content is, it looks native to the platform in which you're publishing it on. So we have these, um, articles written by a journalist and they're very much like storytelling and it's not a billboard, um, about how great we are, how many houses we sold or all of our listings there. It's a story about a family possibly that had their house on the market, for example, and it previously failed to sell and we helped them get it sold and they were able to move to Connecticut to be with their family or whatever. So they're very storytelling specific type um, articles and you can target those for both buyers and sellers. Um, you'd be, the newspapers are a great medium to go negotiate amazing rates. And here's the other thing about the newspaper, like for example, in Austin, Texas, um, the, the newspaper is, is typically uh, read by people that are 45 to 65 years of age, which is typically your home sellers, right? And those people like to read the newspaper, and they also um, typically have a lot of equity in their house, 
um, and they're they're well positioned to um, to to want to sell, and so it's a great way for you to stay in front of them and make it look you know very native to the, to the um, to the paper. Some other things we did, like as time progressed beyond expired withdrawals, fizbos, um, is we started adding in um, radio, TV, billboards, some of those more expensive mediums. Um, We've tested this in other markets where we tried adding in radio first. Huge mistake, huge freaking mistake. Don't add radio until you've got a good good amount of um, listing inventory already, and you've already got a good um, you know stable base of um, predictable income. So, like the thing I, I mentioned in the book was like you want uh, you always want to have, um, for example, if you want to add some new lead generation arm, you want to make sure you have six months of whatever it costs to do that sitting in the bank. And be ready to light a match and light that money on fire um, because you need to commit to it for a minimum of six months. So with radio, it's super expensive. Um, you need to be ready to commit probably like 50 to 60 grand. And then you also need your core capital for your business. So like you've got, you know, three months of core capital for your fixed expenses in your business. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we talked about in the book from a scaling perspective is use these revenue benchmarks of, of when to add um, when to add lead generation. And then also what coincides with that is the people, you know, you can't add lead generation without adding people to help you work those leads. So anyways, that's a super long winded answer to his question, but that's the, the gist of it. The only thing that I would kind of pile on there is that the first question I would ask myself is um, when it comes to passive leads, am I getting all of the juice out of the existing listings that I have right now? And I think the answer for a lot of teams is no. And if you're building out a team of buyer agents, what you want is cheap or preferably free leads to give them that are higher quality. So are you you utilizing call capture systems, for instance? I don't know if you guys have one that you recommend, but there's some really good stuff out there. Um, and it's really affordable as well. And so with those call capture systems, you know, you can get five leads for every actual sign call that you get because you scoop up all of those folks who didn't intend to speak to an agent, right? Um, so, you know, from that perspective, the best passive, you know, buyer lead strategy is a really proactive listing uh, strategy. Yeah, you know, I love the fact that, you know, you guys are talking to people about something that most people don't talk about. And we talk about this a lot in Club Wealth because it's called Club Wealth, not Club Gross, right? Let's just start there. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's true, right? Too often agents, they start building these teams and they think, oh, I'm on track. I'm killing it. I'm getting all this lead generation and everything's going really well. So I'm going to add another lead source. I'm going to hire more agents. And I'm going to throw all this stuff at it. And what they forget is, Man, you got to have some freaking reserves because it's not always going to be peaches and cream, right? You're going to have months where you freaking lose money. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You got to plan for this. You got to have money in reserve. Now, I always like to tell people, I want to I want to see you have 6 months of expenses in the bank at all times in reserve. That's business and personal. Now, you guys are being a little bit more a little softer uh, in terms of you're saying 3 months, but at the end of the day, you guys, you got to have reserves, right? And to your point, if I'm going to take on a new lead source, particularly one that's a little more expensive, let's say I'm going to do a geo farm and I'm going to start doing, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to mail, I'm going to do events, I'm going to do doc, I'm going to do all this stuff involved in a geo farm and Facebook ads and all this other stuff. And then I'm going to do, um, you know, radio or any of this other stuff. If I don't have the money set aside to make sure I can do that long term, I'm throwing my freaking money away anyway, because none of this stuff works. I shouldn't say none of it. The stuff that works best and that really starts to kick off huge, huge results long-term is the stuff that takes a while to start kicking in. It's like a locomotive. You got to get it running down that track and it takes a lot of energy, effort, and money to get that thing running down the track. But once you do, it takes on momentum of its own and it becomes almost impossible to stop, but you got to have money to get there. So 
That's a good point. You know, I, I, it's something interesting we found too, is some of the best um, lead generation sources in terms of basically just leads coming in the door, people, the phone ringing, come with me calls. They had the longest conversion cycle, like, inter- uh, excuse me, they had the longest cash conversion cycle. Yes. Best one. So like doing a farm, for example, freaking amazing, like unbelievable. If you want to be a celebrity, for example, and brand yourself and build a brand and you want to go hit a community of 3000 houses, you need to wait. You got to wait an entire year before you start building that top of mind awareness. And so this is something we, me and Brad screwed up. We, we, okay. So 2013, we're like on top of the world. We're like, man, we just crushed it. We thought we, we had a lot of great things going. And um, we dropped a quarter of a million dollars in direct mail advertising. And we, and we hammered, we were hammering um, a massive database of homeowners with direct mail. We were sending out a direct mail letter every single week for eight weeks in a row, then scaled it back to every two weeks. And then, so that was like through month three and then scaled, scaled it to every once a month. And so I think we were, God, we were sending out to like uh, some crazy number of houses, like 60,000 homes or something. Like we had this huge ambitious goal of how many homes we were going to send out doing EDDM. So it was like 11 cents or whatever for postage. And then, you know, the um, uh, printing costs. And I mean, they, we had like, you know, those pallets, right? The pallets, we had freaking pallets of postcards for over $250,000 worth of EDDM postcards. And um, at six months we quit. We were like, dude, we, we quit. And then I, and then I, there's every time we screw something up, it's because we didn't go find somebody that had excelled at it. Literally. I feel like every time we've like boxed something up, we thought we could be pioneers and figure it out on our own. And so then I called this guy up and he's like, you he sold like 250 some odd houses from his farm of 20,000 homes. And um, I called him up and he's like, dude, you quit at six months. He's like, no, no, you, you're only halfway there. Yeah. You got to go a full year. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> a year to break even uh, 18 months to get in the gravy. If I remember yeah. that conversation correctly. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, this is one of the things that the big box is going to teach a brand new agent to do. And yeah, how many and they wonder why agents? their turn rate is so high. They oh, wonder why eighty percent of these guys fail in the first year. Yeah, I can't believe you went bankrupt. That's crazy. <laughs> well, hey guys, I'm loving this conversation. I know we've got a ton of people watching, and we're going to have to have you guys back on. I can tell that already. Uh, so if you guys are interested, we'd love to have you back. Uh, and uh, Bradley, hey, I promise. promise. By the way, guys, those of you watching right now, if you'd like to see these guys on a future episode of Club Wealth TV, type in "Bring Chris and Bradley Back" uh, and uh, hashtag we'll make sure we make yeah. extra exactly hashtag it. There you go, I love it. So that being said, we've got to run. We've got a coach's call. We're running a little bit late too, so we got to jump on that. Uh, and shout out to Damon Gatier who's watching right now, uh, as are a bunch of our coaches. Uh, and, uh, so that being said, we will definitely get you back on and Bradley stoked to hear you speak at listing agent bootcamp, uh, here in just a few weeks. And so those of you again, that haven't signed up, what's that? Can't wait. I'm stoked. Wait. I'm, I'm excited. All right. So anybody have any parting thoughts? We're going to go 10 second last thought, Bradley. Keep it simple. Brad, Brian, you got to keep doing it over and over again until it gets results. It's not a one-step process. I love it. Chris. Catching and focused on the who.
get coaching and focus on the hill. I freaking love it. Awesome call, you guys. Super excited. Cannot wait to see you on our next, uh, the next time we bring you back on Club All TV. In the meantime, everybody, remember, inside you is a world-class beast just dying to get out. you got to choose to unleash that beast. So go be world-class today. And uh, don't forget to go buy the Million Dollar Real Estate Team by Chris Waters and Bradley Pounds. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot.